RNZ National. Time to talk history with our house historian, Dr. Grant Morris from Victoria University School of Law. Hi, Grant. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Good. Grant's a legal historian, um, and he chooses a different history topic for us each week, sometimes serious, sometimes light. Which one's this, Grant? I mean, New Zealanders do take fish and chips seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say light, but I should be careful what I say because, as you, you know, as you pointed out, fish and chips <laughs> could be at the heart of our culture. Yeah, and it's been in the news this week as well. Um, I'm talking about a possible chip shortage. How did you land on this idea? Uh, it's one I've thought about for a while in terms of uh, you know being a fan of fish and chips myself, but mm. also the, the cultural significance of it. But the angle that really interested me in is is this really a New Zealand tradition that we've that we talk about as you know being vital to our culture, or is it something that we just pretty much took from somewhere else that uh, isn't particularly unique? Yeah, it's funny. There's a few things like that I reckon in New Zealand. Drinking culture is one, and um, a self-deprecating sense of humour, all this stuff that we kind of think is uniquely Kiwi. And then you think, well, actually, there's probably a few countries that would um, would say that about themselves. Mm, mm. And fish and chips, another one, because um, there are a few places uh, which have that as a as a pretty popular dish. By the way, how do you do research on something like this? Yeah, the, I remember listening, uh, and I went back and found it on on the RNZ website. An interview you did about six or seven years ago with um, Tiafina Arahanga about her work she was doing on two fish and a scoop of social history oh, yeah. of fish and chips. I don't know if you remember that one, and. Um, so there are social historians out there doing this work. Tony Simpson's work as a New Zealand food historian is another. Um, so there are people who do examine this, um, but there's also a lot of literature from overseas as well as to when and how this developed. Okay, so where does the story of modern fish and chips begin? Mm, and that word modern is important because you can trace back, you know, the beginnings of fish and chips back, you know, centuries to different um locations but we're talking about what we understand as fish and chips at the shop and the two together and um we can trace that back to east london uh in approximately 1860 with the jewish immigrant joseph malin and uh it's contested as to who had the first real chippy shop but he's often given the credit for that and combining the two together and you know, battered fish and, and, and preparing it in the way that we're used to as well. So in that sense, it's very much an English tradition. Mm. We can see some mentions in, in uh, Charles Dickens's work, so that's a bit earlier. So Oliver Twist, 1838, oh, yeah. Cities, 1859, but they're quite vague references. They're not like fish and chips at the chippy shop, yeah. but... The more vague references to this idea of how you prepare these these two and, and serving them together. Okay, what about here in New Zealand? Yeah, so if that's when we're starting to see it in England, of course, as listeners will have realised, that's you know that's after the Treaty of Waitangi has been signed. It's a few decades after. So what happens to bring it out to New Zealand? Um, well, the big immigration boom of the 1870s, Vogel's immigration boom, you're getting a significant increase in the amount of um, you know, English and, and British people coming out. So they're bringing these traditions with them. And I would argue that the fact that New Zealand, like Britain, has a, you know, all, the, all this coastline, lots of fish, and also a long history of, of growing potatoes, it all is kind of a perfect setting mm. for this dish to take off. 
Um, it's actually in the 20th century, though, that it reaches its peak. And you get to that point, especially in the 60s and 70s, where it seems that nearly every small town and big town and city suburb has a fish and chip shop <laughs> uh, yeah. down, down the road. At um, some stage, then, it becomes a Friday night tradition, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I used to go to my um, a good friend of mine who's, who's Catholic in a Catholic family, and they always have fish and chips on a Friday night where you know, my family um, uh, you know, would have it any night. And so that was my first uh, connection with that. And, and there is an argument that that it actually developed in Britain as well as a, as a result of Britain was Catholic pre-16th century and that it continued. But we, we, you know, we tend to associate it with Catholic in New Zealand. That's often been Irish Catholic. Um, but it's not just Catholics who have it on a Friday night. Mm. Um, and just the idea of also having it at night. Right. Um, because, you know, as... as your listeners will, will, will probably know the idea of the of the dinner for the English was a midday meal, so that big midday meal, <laughs> and it was it was only you know later that that the big meal dinner became the evening meal as we talk about it in New Zealand. So I mean we tend to associate fish and chips, at least my family does, as an evening meal. Yet you know um, you could say that that um, it could be any time. Well, maybe not breakfast so much, but definitely what we would call lunch. Yeah. Uh, for me, part of the appeal is that it's um, uh, it's a bit of a, an equaliser. Fish and chips, everyone loves it, and um, it doesn't doesn't sort of matter if you're rich or poor. It's um, kind of crosses class boundaries, in, in my view. Mm, and I'd argue that is the case in New Zealand, whereas in Britain it does have a bit of a class nature to it. It's oh, yeah. a, as you say, it's, it's a cheap meal, so it can be associated with, um, you know, what America, uh, sorry, in, in the UK you might call the working class or the lower classes. And because we don't tend to use that language in that way, as much or in that way in New Zealand, uh, I agree. I think, you know, it is something that, that everyone engages in and, and, you know, the benefit of it, it, it is a way, a very efficient way to um, feed a family. It's not as cheap as it used to be. No. Um, and, but, and so you're yeah. sort of saying that the big boom was 50s and 60s, although I remember 1980s in Hamilton, it was still, you know, it was what you did on a Friday. Absolutely, yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, it continues and, and to this day is a very popular tradition. But what, of course, happens in the 70s is you get the big American fast food chains entering the market in oh, New yeah. Zealand. KFC, early 70s, followed by McDonald's. And then, of course, it proliferates. So you're getting... Um, Burger King and, and so on and of course they are direct competitors in the sense of you know you want to take away meal you don't want to go to a restaurant don't want to cook at home so this is the middle ground um, and that begins to have an impact on you know the just that almost a monopoly that fish and chips had uh, on the takeaway fast food market in New Zealand before that time. There's a cultural story here as well because um, increasingly it's an opportunity for immigrants in New Zealand. Mm, and, you know, we can think of many examples pre-1987. So not, I say 1987 because that was the uh, Immigration Act 1987, which removed that kind of focus on particular countries that, you know, were like New Zealand in terms of demographics and opened it up particularly to Asia. So, our, our you know, big changes from 87 onwards. But before that, in some small communities, the uh, the family that owned the fish and chip shop might be the only immigrants um uh, from a particular culture in that town. I remember the, that being the case in, yeah. in a number of small Waikato towns. 
Um, they were the that, Chinese family often, hey? Mm, mm, and it allowed the, the, those immigrant families to enter into the economy, um, you know, through that. But also, I think this is fascinating. If you remember the fish and chip shops, obviously, you know, people went in there usually to buy fish and chips, but there'd always be this array of other options. And it always fascinated me reading through all of these different, for example, Chinese dishes that you could order. And so few people did. And I always thought it was such a wasted opportunity um, that people didn't, yeah. you know, just branch out a little bit yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. From the, yeah. uh, the uh, two fish in a scoop to, to try some of these other options. Okay, so, so what about that central question then? Is it a New Zealand tradition? It is, but it's not one that we have developed. It's one that was developed in England. Uh, we brought it over. It was popular in here. I wouldn't say it's any more popular here than in England. I mean, it's, it's you know, the chippy shop in England, the, you know, going down and ordering your fish and chips and uh, wrapping newspaper, etc. You know, that, that is um, a great English tradition, but you can also see it in Australia, Canada, to some extent in the US. Um, Do we call it a Commonwealth tradition then? I think, could you call it an Anglophone tradition? Um, <laughs> Not quite as catchy, yeah. maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's you know, as with so many of our traditions, it's one that we have taken. I'm not even sure we've adapted it much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's one we really have taken from England. What about the newspaper pretty- wrapping? Is that a New Zealand thing? My understanding that that was in, in the UK as well. Ah, so, you know, yeah, fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, Grant Morris, thanks so much. Definitely going to have fish and chips tonight. Really appreciate your time. Cheers. Sure, thanks, Jesse.